wasn't asked to be to be a part of this because whether or not I was asked to come and be a part of this, uh, I would have still felt apart um, because of uh, the things that whether you know it's like they say you know you pick your friends and you pick your relatives but you know you're stuck with your family uh, you know they are stuck with me uh, Hank and Rondo whether they would claim me or not that's just one of those things where uh, they're just there's just no way. Uh, my heart is too knit to the two of them, the four of them now. Uh, but we just, we have, uh, again, so many stories uh, today, all of which will go untold. Uh, trust me, you'll be glad I didn't. Uh, so good to see you, Pastor. You know, Mom and Dad back there, so good to see y'all. Uh, they know some of our our California stories. Uh, anyway, I was just, uh, some my, my daughter, uh, by the way, Kevin and Krista are, are, uh, are doing great. They, Karen and them uh, send their love. Um, uh, uh, what is Kevin doing? Kevin's in his, uh, in his first year of of uh, college there in uh, South Carolina, and and uh, um, Rock Hill, South Carolina Community College. Krista graduated uh, from the University of South Carolina, and then she went on to work with uh, Dale Earnhardt's corporation, uh, Teresa Earnhardt and Chip Ganassi. I don't know. You raise these kids up right, and they wind up being Earnhardt fans. I don't know what. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you do what you can, you know. And, Pulling for Jeff Gordon, and then she goes and works for them. But uh, anyway, now she's working for another marketing firm, loving, loving life, loving being involved in the sports entertainment industry. I don't know where she got any of that, but uh, she's lived it most of her life. And uh, Karen, of course, still uh, cutting hair, and uh, I still do. We figured out what it is I do. Uh, they just I jump in cars and airplanes and come back home. So uh, people keep throwing money at me, so I'm gonna keep doing it. So I don't know. But we, uh, um, you know, hey Courtney. Where are you? Here you go. I saw you up here, Dancing. Love the hair. Good. <laughs> she's probably going, getting ready to change it. You know, <laughs> she's a normal woman. <laughs> you haven't said a thing about my hair. I love it. I'm changing it. You know, that's oh, okay. That comes from being married for 28 years, knowing that that is around the corner. But, you know, and standing in, in, in uh, front of this, this group this morning, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was uh, privileged to stand in front of about... Uh, 200 or 300 pastors and uh, they were of so many different age groups and I knew I had my work cut out for me but it, for some reason or another as I stood up in front of them I was uh, reminded of dogs I know some of y'all that know how my mind thinks well that, that, that doesn't surprise us Keith but I, I was I was reminded because, all, because I have said this that uh, the ministry to me is like dog years. You can be a certain age, but if you've been in the ministry, it doesn't matter. You may be 40 years old, but if you've been in the ministry 20 years, you're at least 80. And there's three or four of y'all that have been in the ministry and know what that's about. It, yeah, it's exponentially double and triple. Anyway, so anyway, I'm up there in front of all these um, great, great ministers, and they're wanting me uh, to to be whatever and you know and the, the thing that 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 struck me as funny is you know it was like a porch full of dogs you know old dogs and young dogs and how that uh you know the older dogs are laying up there on the porch and they're watching the young dogs as the cars drive by and the young dogs watch the cars drive by and just take off after and I saw this right before I got ready to walk up on this platform. Now I mean, this came to me. This is real good. Y'all gonna get a lot out of this, okay? So I mean, and the, you know, the young dogs just take off after the cars, and of course the older dogs are looking at one another, going, "You won't tell him, should I?" 
<laughs> the old, other older dog's going like, I don't know. So then, the, then the, the young dog comes back, gets up on the porch, just wore it out. Now the old dogs are asking, going, did you catch him? <laughs> no dogs go, no, he's too fast. Yeah, it's crazy, ain't it? <laughs> Next day, the same thing happens. Takes off, running after him again, man. I'm going to catch him this time. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. The old dogs are like, go. Yeah, it's good. He's fast. Fast. Finally, y'all know how where all this is going because up on that porch are, are some older dogs who know a couple of things. Number one, what will you do if you catch him? <laughs> now, I did this one. Actually, I was living in Cleveland when I did this one day. There was this dog uh, when we lived out here, and we lived near the Cleveland Airport out there, and we were, uh, this dog chased me everywhere. Uh, every time I come in, I thought it was the stupidest dog I'd ever seen. I'm running around and he's just and so one day just to mess him up I just stopped I just stopped the car right in the middle of the world now you're talking about a confused looking dog I'm serious I wish I had a video of it because you know he the dog really was looking at me like dude you, you didn't mess this whole thing up I'm a car your dog you're supposed to drive I'm supposed to chase you and I stood there for a minute and next thing you know he went on back now there's another type of person dog up on that porch that knows what it's like to not to catch a car but have a car catch him the car you didn't see coming the other direction while you were so focused on something that it wouldn't have mattered if you caught it or not all of a sudden you got blindsided by the thing that really does matter and the old dog that can't walk too good anymore is laying up there looking at the young dogs going I tell you, but some of it you just gonna have to find out on your own. Whoo! Don't I look better? Ain't I? Ain't I much more unencumbered? Thank you. I'm ready to chase some cars. <laughs> I've been caught by a few. Um, I am going to. Uh, I'm actually going to, going to uh, speak. I don't know if this is preaching or talking or or or, or treaching or whatever this is. Uh, not tweeting, but. Uh, but in, in, in honor of, and I'll pro, I got a song I want to sing to you. To, uh, let me ask you something. Is that acoustic hooked up? Is it, is it into it? You got a DI that's into it? You know, don't you like the way I throw this stuff on you right here? If it's not hooked up, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Trust me, it's cool. I can't believe you didn't have it ready for me when I got here. No, I'm just kidding. Did my people not call? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about this in the back room with my management. Trust me, exactly. Pastor Ron said she's going to try to find me some people. <laughs> and that's an insight because I've been trying to find some people for a long time to, st to straighten whatever this is. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I wish I had to write that down. <laughs> Woo, at least I know somebody loves me. They're trying to find me some people. <laughs> if y'all have never been with me before, trust me, it's... We're, if you're waiting deep, we just reached our cruising altitude. It's, it's going downhill from here. But I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. I want you all to shut up and let's get serious. There's things to do here. There's things. I got all kinds of notes that have been coming to me ever since I got up this morning. So this is trouble because I don't use notes. Um, can't read my handwriting. Hopefully... Those people that Pastor Ron defines for me will help me organize myself. But anyway, I am, um, 
I'm in love with the fact that uh, consistency is here. You know, I think there's a lot of things that the body of Christ knows how to do. And hey, let me let me be a, uh, let me be someone today that confesses something. I don't get all nervous. It ain't any big things or nothing. You're like, ooh, I love confessions, <laughs> especially preachers. They make big messes. <laughs> Calm down. It ain't one of them. Um, but for the last 15 years or so, uh, I've been a part and I've been there listening, and uh, just we've been beating the church up a lot. You know, I mean, I keep turning on some everyone. I don't watch much Christian television, but when I do, I mean, a lot of times it's another guy or girl telling us how messed up the church is and how this is and the church doesn't do the church doesn't wake up. And I'm like, and and I've been there. I really have been. The church is out of alignment, and the church is da da da. And you know what? I got a confession to do today. I'm tired. I'm tired of beating up on the church. You know, because first of all, one day the Lord whispered in my ear. He said, "You know." That's my wife. How many of y'all know that sounds like something the Lord would say? That's my wife, son. And you know what? When you go talking about most guys' wives in this room, uh, oh, yes, you, you you don't have to have a book. You don't need an instruction manual. You go talk about somebody's wife, kids, or husbands, things come out of you that they didn't have to go to college to learn. I got a PhD in whoop you know what I'm saying? You could I shut up without an instructor. And I had a good teacher. It's called Mama. She had another good one called Grandma. They was messed up people back then. And they make you used to make you pick up your own whip. That is that's wrong. Not only am I gonna get a whooping, which you don't get whippings back in that while well, I come, you're gonna get a whooping. You're gonna get you're gonna get a whooping, and by the way, go cut your own hickory. And you come back in here with them little ones, I'm gonna go get one. So and it, and, it, and it, but but anyway, why did I get off in that? It has nothing to do with this. Oh, consistency. Thank you. Consistency, and and understanding, you know how how and where the church is. First of all, I realize I'm one of those old dogs up on the porch there. I don't have all this figured out. So, yeah, I know we got some problems, but she's still the body of Christ. And it looks pretty good today to me here in Cleveland, Tennessee. Come on, somebody. I said, it looks pretty good here in Cleveland, Tennessee. You look awesome. The body of Christ is alive and well. And i tell you one thing that happened to me. I realized it a couple of weeks ago, and I was sitting in, in, in our home church. And, again, it was another one of these, we're not this, 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 and that. And it was great. He was powerful. But I walked away one day and thought, Lord, I'm not so sure and trying to correct us that we've lost you. You know, I, 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 I know that... And, you know, and another movie that really radically altered me, and I know this sounds strange, and don't please... Uh, the, the, uh, the email address is prgdavis... All your complaints and everything, send it over there to her, because I don't have an email address. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nah. Anyway... I watched this movie called Wall Street. I might as well go ahead and go, I can't believe you watched the movie. Anyway, so I watched it. I was fascinated by the whole premise of the financial ruin and collapse and yada, yada, the, the newer Wall Street. And, but but I, was, I was mostly torn apart by a speech that this guy gave, this gecko guy gave, not that insurance thing. Anyway, by the way, some of you go, well, the gecko's in a movie? No, I'm just... 
I got these people messed up already. <laughs> I still got 10 minutes to go. So, it's on downhill from here. Anyway, dude stands up, giving this speech. He's been in prison for insider trading and everything else. And he talks about the bubbles, the, inter- the, the, uh, the real estate bubble that burst. And that bubble was something that someone else, all of a sudden you bought your house one day for $100,000 and six months later somebody, everybody say somebody, somebody said your house is now worth $190,000. In, in, in six months your house has grown in value. Really? 100000 now it's 190000 The reason I can tell you this is because I saw this happen in my own neighborhood. The neighborhood I lived in in Fort Mill, South Carolina, there was a house that was built. They bought that house for $599,000. A year and three months later, the house was on the market for $1.3 million. And the fool, I mean, the, the, the sucker, I mean, the guys bought it. Because somebody, through the course of events and through connections and through aspects, facts and figures and doesn't and there's probably real estate agents going here okay you can shut up right now if you want to you really but again it wasn't real it was perceived value by someone else placing a value on it the bricks and mortar cost x amount of dollars the labor to build the house cost x amount of dollars it was always worth x amount of dollars no matter what somebody in new york city said it was the reason why is because what it was worth at this bottom price, somebody made money off of it one time, sold it to somebody else on paper again. You're still making the same mortgage payment, but all of a sudden now they take. So now, but it's worth, it's worth twice as much, Tim. You should sell. Guess what Tim wants? Money! Me want money. Me like money. Money good. That's the way we start acting when they start saying, my house is worth $100,000, I can sell it for $190,000. Woo! Money, something comes out of us. We don't even talk quite anymore. <laughs> We're on the phone trying to talk to my mom. Mama, I can pay that up again. I can pay that bill. I can, I don't know, IRS. Y'all, y'all get where I'm going. It's a bubble. They called it a bubble. You know why? Because when you pop a bubble, guess what's there? <laughs> Nothing. It's like cotton candy. You're like, oh man, oh God, it smells. Oh, it's great, it's great. I want a big old home. It's gone. It was that. It looks, oh my God, they've blown it up. They've colored it. They've put Swizzlers in it. Man, they've even got got iPhone Bluetooth inside of that. You can eat it while you can act. Trust me. But when you bite into it, it's gone. Okay? It's something that somebody else made look so wonderful, but when you really got into it, and then he went on back from there in this speech, and he talked about the bubble before that, of course, was the internet bubble. Somebody was telling us, oh, da 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 all this. And I began to think about so many bubbles that exist in the body of Christ. And I think that one of the bubbles that I wanted to talk to you about this morning, or really show you that doesn't exist, and this is, this place right here is the antithesis of, and to be honest with you, I think it's where God is heading us as an entire body back to. Community. I know, isn't that deep? Trust me, they're not going to fill up coliseums to hear Keith come and preach on community. 
Yes, he's coming. The man of God is coming to preach on fellowship. My God, the buses. We, I can't believe the amount of people. They ain't going to come hear that. He ain't calling nobody out. He ain't prophesying over everybody. Hey, he got the bells and whistles and lights and the cameras. and You know, you get what I'm saying? Over the last 15 years, I've watched it. This guy has watched this stuff grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. You can't get bigger lights. You've got to have bigger. You've got to have more smoke. You've got to have it. You've got to have It's a bubble, y'all. It really is a bubble. Because all of a sudden, when you finally find out that dude out front, guess what? He's sleeping with his secretary. Guess what? He's got pride. Guess what? He stole the Guess what? All of, the bubble burst. And you realize it was all built on the show. And I think God is bringing us back. Thank God. Because I can exist in a world full of community. I can, I can exist in this environment right here where we pull for one another. I'm preaching real good right now. And this is, well, I can exist in this world right here. See, because there's people in here that can out-sing me. You can out-preach me. You can out-fund me. You can out-everything me. But you cannot out-Keith Dudley me. Hallelujah. I got y'all all beat at that one. Hands down. In fact, there's a song on a new, on a new album. Actually, y'all pray we're going back in the studio to cut a gospel record this year, so I need your prayers. But one of the songs on that album is called Let, uh, um, uh, So we'll Throw Up the Curtain, Turn on the Lights. It's happening. Right before your eyes, I'm tired of trying to be everything that I can never be. I want to introduce you to the world's greatest me. That's the other song. World's greatest me, and that's you. I can exist in a world where I can pull for you. I can exist. See, see, my, my our grandmas, had, Pastor, you you guys had something that we we just lost. You know, you're, uh, Cecil Giles, these people have something. We, we, and you know, they're, they're old dogs laying up on the porch, probably. For the last 15 years, they probably look at one another and they're going, you know, somebody will tell him. But you know, they have so much wisdom and so much godliness, they're just looking at them going, they'll find it. They'll find it. They just keep loving us. They knew the whole time, it's not going to work. And they love us way too much that when we did it and it didn't work, it was stupid and everything else, they didn't come until us, I told you so. I got way too many of those people in my life. Community. See, my grandmas and our grandfathers who grew up in church, they had this thing called fellowship. Community. Buddy, they did, and you know what? They would outlast 15 pastors. Oh, pastors would come up in there and they'd, they'd, they'd do this on their way somewhere else. They didn't care. They'd go like, you may be leaving. I'm staying. My daddy built this church. You know what I'm saying? And they weren't there because of how good he was or how good the choir was or how good the special singing was. That little church I grew up in, man, and uh, there's a little American Idol winner, Carrie Underwood's got the same kind of testimony growing up. Growing up in these little churches where, where when you stood up and you say, people come up to me all the time, these people go, can you tell me how to get a record deal? Ask me like, I, I say, yes, I can. I can tell you how to lose one, too. <laughs> Want to know that? 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds coming up to me now going, I wanna, <laughs> can I get a record deal? Man, I want to get signed. I want to get a deal. And I'm thinking about when I was 13 or 14, I could not sleep at night because I knew on Saturday night, I knew on Sunday morning, I had to stand up in front of my home church of 25 <laughs> and sing, When I wake up to sleep no more, 
I wake up on some glad morning. And then I swoop into my real big one that was famous. There will be peace in the valley for me someday. There will be peace in the valley for me. Then I had to get my big ones. There'd be no sadness, no, no sorrow, no trouble I see. When I'd get finished, they were all over me at the end of the service. Son, you did awesome. You did so great. That was so awesome. We love you. Oh, I love it when you sing. They weren't looking for no record deal. 25 people. And guess what? Those 25 people knew me. They knew who I was. They knew that I was the boy that came from the dysfunctional house. They knew my struggles and everything else. They weren't trying to get me a record deal, but they were family, man. We ate together. We, 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 we did Sunday afternoon chicken dinners together and everything. And I know, y'all, look at this. all to be so deep. No, this is what I come to commend this congregation on. It's because covenant community is what this thing was always all about. And when I stood in here today, it's still about the very thing it was. Because you know why I know it wasn't always about the preaching? Because when this thing got started, they had a different preacher in there every week. It wasn't started on a man's ego. Ooh, I said something good there. I thought I'd give one start on, on bells and whistles. And let's, oh, I tell you what we knew. Let's bring in this, this, let's bring in them and we'll have big... No, we brought in, Hang around and brought in people that were local. He, dude, get me started here. I'll be here at 1 o'clock. Dude, dude would run in people at the gas station. Hey! Hey! We're, uh, we're, having, we're having a meeting down here at, uh, you know, Brother Littlefield's church? Well, yeah, I know where to, you to come down there. Well, who's down there? That's just a bunch of them. I mean, he didn't, give, he didn't even give the, the status quo superstar names because there weren't none. Keith Dudley? Yeah, we've heard of him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, think I know him. Uh, how about, how about, and I forget some of the other people that we brought. They just bring in, just brought in people, but they were so hungry, get this, to get up in your life. I've never met, and I don't think to this day, I have never met two people that want to get up in your life like these two people do. Oh, they love preaching to you. Oh, I watch her too. She don't know if I watch her, but I watch her. She loves preaching, and she's amazing. She's a communicator. But there's a, there's a part of her, when even I see her on television, that says, I want to go home. Somebody home needs me. I want to sit down in my office with somebody who they can tell me about. Because that is where true, 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 true relationship is happening. Same thing with this guy. Fishing trips all over the world. That he, a country he, I wouldn't go out of country with him. Church, tell me that. I don't think I did, did I? Thank God I was smarter than that. <laughs> he left me at the border and all I got was his shirt from Mexico and tequila. That's what would happen to me if I'd have wound up with him in Mexico. And he would have came home the whole time going... I don't know what happened to him. It wasn't my fault. I don't know. 
Dudley got away from me. Next thing I know, she mariachi bands. And <laughs> we would be Oklahoma, California or something. And he just didn't meet strangers that he didn't think needed to be out there hearing what he had to say. What the Lord was doing in that church. He promoted more people's churches for them than they have any idea. He was the, when he was in town, when he was in a city as an evangelist, he was that church's greatest promoter. I know. I'm not telling you what I've heard. I'm telling you what I've stepped behind him going like, Dear God, Hank, please let's go. <laughs> I don't know that guy. I don't trust him. I think he's got a gun. I really do think he's packing. Either he's going to try to sell us something and there's people watching out. Come on, let's go. Yeah, we're going to be down there at 7 o'clock tonight. This guy right here gets right here. No, it's not me. Not me. I, it's that guy. He left. I hear he sings good, but he left. You know, that guy right there, he's, he's going uh, to be singing. You need to come sing. He was everybody's biggest supporter. And I don't think that's changed. Because every time I get a call from him, he's usually telling me something that happened to one of you. Doesn't change. And let me tell you something. The thing that I wish, I hope, pray at my grave when my grandchildren sit there I man whatever whatever else I hope that they could at least say you know what my grandpa my dad he was consistent oh he made his mistakes I'm going to talk about that in a second oh he made yeah my dad made his mistakes at times my children have nicknamed me at times psycho dad it's had something to do with me sticking my hand through that uh, that wall one time <laughs> but anyway I didn't hit anybody. Some of y'all should feel better about yourselves right now. Amen. Let me read a scripture so when we go home today, some of y'all religious folks will at least feel like we've been at church. We didn't even read the Bible. He can't be all that. Jeremiah chapter 1, you know it well. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born I consecrated you and I've appointed you a prophet to the nations I'm going to tell you this morning I don't care how smart you are how much revelation you think you have you cannot figure that passage of scripture out I've heard the best give it a try they've said it as if they knew everything about it I come to tell you I cannot grasp the depth of that scripture before I formed I know we quote it for abortion and it fits there before I formed you in your mother's womb I knew you what does that mean I knew you it is very obvious to me today through Jeremiah 1 that God told me this is telling me this before I was here I was there am I okay with that y'all right I just read that passage of scripture before I was here before my my mother gave birth to me but I didn't so much as come from my mother's womb as I came from my heavenly father's heart are we okay with that so now that's what I'm telling you about I struggle with all of this this the depth of, of all of this when I was there what happened were we just lifeless I don't know the, the Bible is so wonderfully and magnificently silent well I've been threatening for years to preach a message called what the Bible doesn't say and, and, and it'd be stuff just like this. 
Like what what happened while we were there? Uh, or 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 when uh, when uh, the uh, Joshua was on the side of that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights and Moses was up on top of the mountain in the glory the people danced around the cows and Moses comes down off the mountain 40 days later with Joshua just shows up out of nowhere what what the Bible doesn't say is what did Joshua and and God talk about at night when he couldn't get to the gold and he couldn't be in the glory I want to know about that but no I didn't come to preach that when I came to preach this what did we do there and this is the part of the passage of Scripture that I want to kind of just leave with you today before, as we go forward. The reason why, and this is going to challenge some of you, so I'll stop with all the pre- my prefacing marks. The reason why I feel so wonderful in this environment is I've been here before. According to Jeremiah chapter 1, this is what I came from. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had you. I held you. I was with him. So when I'm in this environment and in this presence, it's the only thing that feels like home. I've been here before. Oh, I, I want to mess some of y'all up. Because see what you're struggling with right now, you're trying to disprove me. You're trying to say, well, that's more. Well, that's this. That's this. No, it's not. It's Jeremiah chapter 1. I knew you. I consecrated. I held. That is why, young person, that is why, ma'am, sir, nothing out there is ever going to satisfy you because it won't be like everybody wants home. Everybody wants to reconnect. I've talked to people. I've talked to people that were adopted, loved their adopted parents, loved, raised all their life. But as soon as they found out they were from another place, they wanted to reconnect. They just want to reconnect. I, don't, I can't even explain it. But I love I had a good had a good thing they just want to really find out where you come from that's the reason why all the stuff you've tried the temporary hot the temporary this the temporary this doesn't suffice until you come in here you can be scared of it you cannot understand it some people get out of order with it some of this but when he comes in this environment there is something that says i'm home i'm home i got to be here i wanted to take you back over to genesis and when we got more time together maybe i'll come back this whole thing started this morning with me wanting to come to preach to you about the mark of Cain. Never in my life have I preached about it or even heard anybody talk about it. But you know the story. Cain is cast out in Genesis. And he's cast out, everybody knows, from sin. And everybody knows he's cast out. And the Bible says that he's cursed. There are two separate things that happen. The Bible says, God says, you are now cursed. And. Everybody say and. Say and. See, and then they set a mark on him. See, this is what I want to, to get with you today, though. The mark is not the curse. The mark was not the curse. The mark was his protection. Anybody read this story? Am I in the book? Am I okay? Because some of y'all are still struggling over that. I've been to heaven before. I don't understand. Come back with me. Come on. Come on. Walk with me. We're done there. Remember, PRG Davis at AOL.com. The mark was for his protection. The mark tells everybody that he sees, I'm not from here, but I do belong here. I'm not from this place, but I do have a purpose in this place. And I'm marked by my father. Y'all know the story. See, but everybody, before we could really even deal with Cain this morning, we'd have to go so far back 
to everything. Well, how did Cain sin? Well, sin, how did sin get in the garden? Well, it came in through, through the devil. came in through there. Well, how did it get in him? Well, it came out of him. It went up to heaven. And well, how did it get in heaven? Well, he was an archangel to cover there. And he said, I will exalt my throne above God's, and I will be like the most high God. Well, where did that come from? you got to go so far back. You're going to be so... My hair hurts when I think stuff like that. My God. And I hear all these deep people talking about, well, it couldn't have been... Well, where did it come from? Man? Well, it must not have been God. Well, then who did it? And in the, at the end of the day, I'm the old dog laying on the porch going, who cares? What's it got to do with you? What's it got to do with you and your purpose right here? Oh, I had so much more I wanted to say, but I really feel the Lord hastening me on toward my main point this morning because it's so much in this house. The mark of Cain. I wanted to oh, I wanted to dramatize all this up, but thank God the, the drama has been done and I just need to drop the bomb on you. The, the, amen. I, see, I can bust the move too. But it just busts up everything else when I tried to do that. Things, things take weeks to unbust. <laughs> mm-hmm. The mark of Cain this morning is actually the mark of humanity. You know... I, I, I really probably should stop uh, just prefacing things this morning and just say, is there any water left in that thing there? I am. I, that's not part of my sermon, by the way. And I'm not, thank you. I will never have as lovely an assistant ever again to come. It's part of my people. Um, I don't watch this program. I know a lot of you do. It's called American Idol. Um, Go ahead. Some of you are afraid because he's getting ready to preach on American Idol and against it. He's going to have no, no. Trust me. Uh, I've never, wa- I've never been able to watch the, the program because um, I've had to. I've lived in an industry where I know it's it's awful. I can't. My wife will tell you. My wife and my son and daughter watch it. And they, I go upstairs and play the guitar, and I can't handle it because I know what it's like to be those kids. I know what it's like to not be looked at as a human being and just go, I just want to sing, man. I just want to sing. I know what it's like to sit in a marketing meeting with grown-ups and you are a piece of product. And they set you down. They go, well, he's got scars all over his face, man. I'm going, I'm, I'm here. I, I, I'm here. Well, man, we can't market him with all that. And it, you turn your, they turn you into a commodity, and it hurts. So I know I got an issue. It's not the program that's that. It's just I know what those kids feel, and it's... Relive my clothes, sweat. I sweat through my clothes and everything. So I might need some help. I don't know. Maybe some therapy or medicine. I don't understand. Maybe a trip to Mexico with Hank. I don't know. I'll come back all right. I like Mexican music for some reason. I love that stuff. Uh, what was I talking about? Oh. But you know, for some reason or another, there was there were a few years ago that I kept going to churches. And churches, and I... Trust me, I know the Pentecostal will come out of some of y'all when I say this. But it's like American Idol was infecting our churches. And what I mean by that was the cast of characters that were casting judgment on the performers. They, they literally were exactly like people out there. And they would go home and, and judge the service just like they were an American Idol cast. That was horrible. I think that's the worst singing I've ever heard in my life, and I think we ought to. You know, there's a difference. And see, trust me, that guy that I'm talking about right there, ultimately, nobody wants the truth. Oh, 
don't come up to me this morning. I've stopped all this. I stopped all this, so I don't ever do it no more. People come up to me and they hand me a CD. Go, Brother Dudley, I want you to listen to my CD. Okay. And tr- now I want you to be. I want you to be so honest with me. No, you don't. No, you don't. I know what it's like. I worked for a professional publishing company in Nashville, Tennessee. I had to write across the hall from Kenny Chesney and all these other big writers. I know they paid my salary. I wrote songs. I suck. I suck. I stuck. Sometimes I did. I, they said, I got ahead of myself. I would stick certain songs down thinking that's the greatest song in the world. And the man who pays me goes, that sucks. That hurt my feelings. He didn't care. No. Keith, the the second verse is not even in time, line-wise, with the first. What is that? The chorus? Where did did ditch digging come from? (laughs) You've been talking about rainbows and sparrows. Now you're talking about ditch digging. What is... What? I mean, that's how you get beat down with the truth. Nobody wants the truth. Okay? There's a difference in judgment and truth. Here, here, here's the deal. Um, uh, this is Perrier water. I mean, I know that's the, that's the truth. The Bible says, you know, you, we're supposed to judge. Okay, so you judge. That's Perrier sparkling water. Nothing wrong with that. Until you go, and I think anybody that drinks that is, 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 is a sissy. Any man drinks that is a sissy. See, now you've gone from this to judgment. That's where the Bible says, judge not to be not judged. It's like saying, that's a black tie. And so he's saying, I hate black ties. Now, what we, and the church got all up in this, this whole thing about the performance. And you could leave and critique your worship team. Well, I thought they were off on that one song. It was lovely. And then you go, and then, then there were the Paula Abdul's will go, go, oh, well, honey, well, I just thank the Lord for you. And I, it was all up in us. It was all up in us, you know. And, and then there were those other, hey, dog, hey, dog, you know. <laughs> you dogged it, man. Y'all were dogging it, man. And it was like everything. It was all up in this thing. But something happened this year that I love, and some of you are going to be so mad at me, but if you're not mad yet, hallelujah. I've still got five minutes to offend you. That's plenty of time, by the way. Something happened this year, and I saw one episode, and I smiled. They put an artist as a judge. Don't even think about, I hate him. I think he's deep. Forget about it. Oh, thank God we're in a good place. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, now, what's going to talk about, Pastor? I know Pastor loves him. Some of it. But here's the deal. I knew he was one of us. I knew that. But when I watched him, you know, it's amazing. The job I have is the greatest job in the world. To be able to be around the world's greatest musicians. To go into a studio. When we sit and we play, and I, I won't call names, but we go with these musicians and everything. <laughs> we go into the studio and listen to a playback. You would think that we all had some kind of disease, and Tourette's or something. Because music is, when you are truly a musician, it, it, it's not just something you do. It consumes you, man. Joe Cocker. Yeah, he... he, he 
So now, the next episode y'all watch Dude, I'm talking about, y'all know who I'm talking about on there, on that panel. You watch him. He's not just... He, there's something going on. <laughs> Man, and I'm in the studio with guys. Uh, my friend, he's a great friend of mine. His name is Michael O'Marty, and his wife is Stormy. Michael is one of the greatest musicians. Steely Dan... Uh, I could go on and on and on. But anyway, Michael has this thing, man, his hands. If he's listening to music. I was in a restaurant with Michael. He's the greatest musician. He's a musical genius I've ever been around. We were having pizza in a restaurant one day. You're talking about something surreal. And we're sitting there having pizza, and over the loudspeaker there comes a song from Steely Dan, the group Steely Dan. And it's a song that dude played on. And when the song came on, my friend starts playing on the table. Because it ain't something he does, it just it it infected him. This thing, this music, man. And I'm glad they got a guy like that. You know, because what he is, he is first and foremost a fan of music. He loves music. See, is there somebody can play piano here real good? Uh, no, where's Wendy? Wendy. Okay, it's time for you to play that mood music at the end that's real annoying and messes, it fixes everything I did wrong. You ain't let me down yet. No. No, I'm, I'm and uh, don't, don't play any Aerosmith if you please. I, that's probably a little too far. I can't, I, I can't believe I messed up all these great notes to get to talk to, about American Idol. But see, you know, the, the thing about it is this mark, the mark of Cain, is the mark of humanity. I said that. And you can't minister to the human condition until you love the human experience. And I'm going to say that again. And I think that's the, the thing that I'm most in love with the two of them. They are your biggest fans. You know why? Because they got the same mark you got. They're not from here either. But they do belong. And when they see you hurt, it's not a judgment. It's not just an assessment of truth. Well, see, you did that. No, they go, oh, see, that's in me too. See, I, I've been down there. Mm. It just comes up. I mean, when you see, that's the reason why. As a, as a musician, as a professional songwriter, singer, what else, you got to understand, I am a songwriter's biggest fan. When I listen on the radio, I'm going like, I hear that first verse go by, and I go like, God, what a song. I don't even know who that, who that guy is. I'm listening you go, boy, girl, whoever is. Man, I'm so much a fan of the song experience. When I hear somebody sing, I'm going like, oh, man. That's it. That's one. It doesn't strike at my ego. It goes down on the inside of me because I don't just do what they do. I are what they are. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? I just come to commend Church of the Harvest for being lovers of Cain's. For being lovers 
of those that got cast out of some other place. They got beat up somewhere else. They wore a mark on their face. They wore a mark on their arms. They said, drug addict. They said, prostitute. They said, they said, they said. They never saw that mark. They saw the mark of the human possibility. And the God possibility married up with your human condition. And some of you are testimonies of what it's like when God and you get together. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to celebrate 21 years. Mm. I want, this is, look at me again. I, some of us really need to hear this. Thank you, Lord, for arresting me from just blowing through this last part. If I make, if I send them to the mountain, I think it's Psalms 139 says this, if I go up there, he's there. It's, you know he's not chasing you, by the way. You know he's, he's already there. <laughs> Some of y'all get that on your way home. That was, that was pretty good right there. I, I don't even preach deep, but that was that's pretty good. I might want to take notes myself. If I send up to the mountain, if I do this, if I do, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. And I asked the Lord one day, Ron, I said, what are you doing in hell, Lord? And he said, because you're there. If you're going, son, I'm going. I don't know where all this stuff came from about God leaving us when we go in. See, if you could grasp this one principle right here, it would radically change your, change your approach to stuff you're doing right now. See, many of us have been brought up in a culture and religion and church that thinks when I go do my bad business, somehow or another God waits outside and doesn't see it. That's the reason why I can't wait to get here so that I come down to this altar and fall on my face and tell Him what I think He doesn't already know. Anybody bear witness with that? If I pull up the car in the parking lot of a place tonight I'm not supposed to be, there's something in this messed up human condition of mine that got mixed with religion a while back that says Jesus is going to wait out here because he's not going in there. You are sadly mistaken. The Lord's looking at you today going, you going to do this thing? You going to do this thing? If you going to do this thing, you going to do it with me standing right in front of you, son. I'm going to watch the whole time. If I could get so blunt, it's like the husband and the wife. The wife or the husband deciding to have something else with somebody else. And the wife going, if you're going to do this, I'm going to. I'm going to be right there while you do your thing. That's what God is saying. If you make your bed, the word if I make implies almost a, a, a purposeful action on his part. If I choose to go to make my bed in hell, God said, I'm there. I knew you, son. I know what you're going to do. Nothing takes me by surprise about who you are. But here's what I come to tell you to give you some good news. God has never been afraid to associate himself with you. Lord, I've said that probably ten times over the last year, and every time I say it, I'm renewed once again. Because I got proof. Because in the Old Testament, he was referred to as the God of Abraham, 
Isaac and Jacob my God you know a little bit of stuff about him that guy was was CEO and chairman of the board of Jacked Up Inc oh that's the thing they got a website and everything they got a mailing list and everything Jacob he's the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob God has never been so afraid to associate himself with humanity he wants to be when I saw you he's in that dance with you He's dancing this thing of humanity with you. This human condition. That's the reason why I can be in love with you in the middle of all the stuff that points to your humanity. See, we have no, we have no problem embracing everybody's spirituality. We have no problems embracing everybody's prophesying over us and praying for us and everything. But what will I do with you when you don't act so spiritual? These are the kind of people that I would send people to. If I was somewhere... And somebody said, I can't find anybody. I'd f first phone call would be here. They're booked. I'd call Bruce. Consider your refuge and say, go down there. They love you down there too. But there's, that's a limit. That's sad. That's tragic and everything else. But I know people here are in love with the possibility of God getting involved with you. And even in the New Testament, as I close, Jesus was referred to as Jesus, thou son of David humanity married with deity God has never been afraid to link, to link himself with you even in all your stuff all these people up here with these signs today God is honored to stand up and say yep yep she's mine what's, what's who, who was one what's your, what's your first name Laura, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Laura. Because here's, here's your big bombshell. People don't know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I ain't never met Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've heard, I read about them. But I do know Laura. Somebody in your world messed up out there. They need to know the God of Laura. He wants to walk right beside. I thank you, Father Lord, just for what you're doing in her life. Thank you, Lord, that she is a trophy and a testimony. Lord, she is an ambassador. Yes, she is. She's positioned right where she should be, Lord. Thank you, Father. I want everybody to stand up. I'm done with you today. I want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for being the God of Keith Dudley. Thank you, Lord, for being the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Hank, and Rhonda. Thank you, Lord, for a church. 21 years, the one thing. There's so much that can be said, so much that can be preached. Some of the world's greatest preachers have stepped behind this pulpit. There's nothing I could preach they haven't already heard, God probably not a whole lot of stuff I could do that hadn't been done they themselves are two of the finest preachers that you have ever chosen but Lord I thank you that in their hearts they've always loved home they've always wanted to be around those those canes those people came from another place marked by dysfunction, marked by this, marked by that, marked by tragedies or whatever else. And somebody said, 
They could never be, but Lord, they looked forward to the challenge. They never stopped getting up in people's lives, not preaching to them, not just singing to them, not just drama to them, but they got up in it, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we stretch our hands toward Pastor Hank and Rhonda. We stretch our hands this way today. Many across this country, literally across the world through TV and Internet, have, have stretched their hands this way and prayed for them. But, God, this is home. This is family. This is community. This is what really matters right here, God. So we thank you for the mom and the father of this house, Lord. We thank you for the impartation that your spirit has come to me through them as a conduit. I thank you, Lord. Everybody say this out loud. Say, I thank you, Lord, that Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda would not give up on me. I thank you that Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda wouldn't give up on Cleveland. I thank you that Pastor Hank and Pastor Rhonda would not give up on Church of the Harvest. I thank you, Lord, for what we feel here, Lord, today. It feels like home. It feels like where I belong. I belong with this environment, Lord. No, I can't take these four walls with me, Lord. But I can be in covenant and relationship with this because this is where I came from. And this is why I'll never be satisfied with anything else. I bless you today in Jesus' name. I'm going to do something I wasn't planning to do, but I want I just finished the song now. You don't know this song. So when you mess it up, I'm going to blame you. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so uh, just kind of hang loose on that back one, one and four A and D, just kind of there, and I'll, I'll sing so loud nobody will hear you. No, I've never done this before, but I just finished the song, sang it last week in our home place, and uh, I've never been as excited about a song as this one. And it is completely opposite of what most people would do. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of thinking that i got to get all my stuff together, then come to church. In fact, we invite people to church every once in a while, and they tell us, well, man, I just got some stuff to get together, and then I'll come to church. And they don't use the word stuff. But uh, I think I'm more excited about this song today because of this place. And uh, I'm just going to kind of do what what songwriters don't, aren't supposed to do I'm just going to fluff it through and just give you like a verse and a chorus is that alright just because I think this is this place's song and it goes if I show up here and I'm a wreck I'm afraid that you might turn away though you haven't done it yet back to one I'm torn up from the ground to my head to the deep I was running now I'm crawling instead and I see an open door I've been here before Like a father calls to his son See, and I won't hesitate To eat, to run This is a safe place To run and hide to thee this is a safe place 
when no one can see me cry when trouble tries to follow me lock the door and hide the key in this safe place to the F and I bring the pieces of my broken G heart same thing I'm not afraid this is a safe place to want to fall apart so I'm excited about singing to the rest of the world got a safe place to run and hide safe place where you can cry when trouble tries to follow me I lock the door and hide the key in this safe place and I can bring the pieces of my broken heart I'm not ashamed because this is a safe place to fall apart and that is what God has proven to me time and time again when you couldn't handle my stuff when I was so angry our second verse said all the king's horses and all the king's men did their best to try and save time and time again I just shake my fist at the sky because you refuse to answer all my whys when I've done my best to bend and I still break I just need a quiet place to scream and no one can hear but me and it goes the chorus but the bridge says and every time I come your grace and love bring to me a holy change and I find the strength I need to breathe one more day. You got a safe place here. You got a safe place because ultimately they're going to teach you that it's safe to be with Him. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say. He's with you. If you go to the mountains, He's there. If you make your bed in hell, God is there. I want you to take the hand of the neighbor. And I'm praying over you now before we go. Father, I love you. And I thank you, Lord, for the person I'm holding hands with. The person that came in this building today that said, I don't know if I'm worthy or not. I don't know if all this dancing and everything, it would surprise them, God, maybe to, to find out that everything that has gone on in here today has been a setup for them. <laughs> it's all been for that man right there, for that lady, to tell her, to tell him how much you love them. Yes, I know I'm marked with this and that. You're marked with nothing but humanity, sweetheart. It's all the human condition. And guess what? We love it around here because we are human ourselves. But we found out what it was like living in this place. He put a hedge of protection around us. Because <laughs> even though we didn't come from here, one of these days he's coming back to be with me here. And I thank you, Lord, Father, for that promise that we'll see you again. Lord, I pray for this person's hand right now. If they don't know you, that they'll open their heart right now and accept you as their Savior. As pastor comes to pray for us before we go home, I thank you for this spirit that is here right now, Lord. This spirit that's here right now. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I needed this. Thank you for thinking about me. I'm alive, and now I'm doing fine. You woke me up this morning. You sang over me. And today I declare that there are things in my life that are out of order. And sin has desired to sift me as wheat. 
But today I acknowledge my need for you, not just a Savior, but a Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you for shedding your blood to cover my sins. I am clean today by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation for all that he has done? Maybe seated just for a moment. If you'd be seated just for a moment, I want to say I would like to see Pastor Tim come back and finish what he started today. Would you like to hear that? I would like for Dave Williams to finish what he started today. How many would like him like that to happen? Uh, 21 years ago, God had a prophetic word that said we would reach the speckled and the spotted. And looking at Tommy's hair, now I realize why God said the speckled and the spot. Paul, don't laugh. You don't have hair. <laughs> we are so glad today that you've come to celebrate with us. We received a letter from a maximum security prison. Pastor John said the next 21 years are going to be greater than the last 21. We received that. We recognize that. If you're here today and you did not know the Lord as your Savior, there's been a bunch of stuff trying to keep you away from God. Know today that you've connected. You plugged the outlet the outlet is live, and that you've touched God. Now it's up to you to pursue him. He said, you seek me and find me. You search me in all of your heart. You will find what God has for you. We are a community church Monday night. Tomorrow night, a bunch of guys will meet. Iron sharpens iron, a time of fellowship, Bible study. Wednesday night, our Sunday school class here in the sanctuary. You won't want to miss it. Thursday night, our road home program. If you know anybody that's struggling with any kind of addiction or has been walking a road of, of purity, and just need some good words, some good companionship, some fellowship, and excellent coffee and donuts. We meet th Thursday in the Children's Sanctuary. And uh, next Sunday morning, I believe God is going to do some incredible, phenomenal things that we are excited about. At the conclusion of this, uh, this, this morning, I'm going to ask um, the president and founder of Word of Life Ministries. I'm going to ask my father, if he will, to be prepared to come and speak a word of blessing over you. Had not been for mom and dad's ministry in california the harvest would not be what it is today 21 years ago we liquidated all of our assets in southern california marietta georgia phoenix arizona and brought all of our assets here purchased this property paid cash for the property paid cash for the building in the past 21 years god has honored word of life we have touched the world literally not once not dozens but hundreds of times through tbn through daystar Pastor and Ron are very humble this past week as Wellington Boone, who is Pat Robertson's pastor, Promise Keeper's favorite, has asked Pastor Ron to come and minister in his pulpit. There's no greater, no greater compliment, no greater door, and we are, we are so humbled. But all that we do for the glory of God, you are extension of us, and you being faithful when we're not here, you supporting the things that are happening when we're not here, that is a blessing and honor to us. Pastor Bryce, I know you're proud of the kids. Courtney, they did phenomenal today an awesome youth group what god is saying or doing i want my guests to make sure to not leave this place unless you get a copy of the dvd america the addicted uh some church family ministry uh, know that tyler got touched by god thursday morning miracle god touched his heart literally and uh, had had surgery they went to cut on his heart god was with him uh, i am with mixed emotions the bible says there's joy in the presence of the lord over the death of one of his saints. But to Sherry and Angie and Keith and the grandkids, this is a sad time as Patsy Cronin went to be with the Lord Thursday. 
and we want to be in prayer for the family of a week from yesterday, next Saturday at 1 o'clock here at Harvest. We're going to have an, an uh, memorial service for her. I want to invite you to come and, and be a part. And again, we celebrate where she's at right now. We would never ask her to come back. We would never ask her to leave that healing, that hope, and in, in the, in the presence of God. But to the family, we extend our hearts, and we extend our pain, and we suffer with them, we cry with them. We don't have answers. When God says it's time to come home, we submit to God. That's something.